Recorded during the Plague Year 2020, this is the Andromeda Minute. Each week we get together to talk about the all-too-timely 1971 Robert Wise-directed feature, or techno-thriller, The Andromeda Strain, one minute of screen time per episode. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm Chris Epting. I'm an author and, and journalist, and I do a TV show called It Happened Here on The Reels Channel. And Chris, thank you for being on this week. It's it's always fun talking movies with you, and especially '70s movies because they're so they're so '70s. And we have history too, which is nice to yeah. kind of flash back a bit and remember what we were doing way back when. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so great. Um, you know, we we've we've lived this part. You know, it, it it's it's fun revisiting films that you saw as a kid because you can figure out whether or not the movie holds up or not. Uh, as you know, as you remember, this is always. This movie was just wow, amazing. You know, you come out of the come out of the film and like, did I just see it? That was that felt like it was real. And still, fifty years later, it has that that whole scent of realness. Oh, I think it totally holds up. I think it's a great uh, com- you know complement to what's happening today, obviously. But just the style this is directed, and it's so bare bones and so stark and so eerie that 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 never goes out of style. You know, cer- certain special effects do go out of style, but. This movie is so blissfully devoid of a lot of that stuff. It's really about the characters and the scenery that that drives it. And it's just, uh, you know, as we're going to go through this minute here, I think the beauty is just the lack of dialogue. You know, it's a, sort of the classic writing rule of show, don't tell. And and here, it's a lot of showing, which is what you want. Yeah, and, and we're getting... It, it, he goes into a kind of a multimedia display that we're seeing there the two uh, the, the two doctors w- are walking around in their spacesuits and looking in at dif- the different windows on the town literally windows on the town of Piedmont and they're seeing a bunch of still images of dead people that had been as the one doctor says uh, they were uh, they were dropped in their tracks they, you know they, they were caught mid stride and uh, you know and it's everybody it's men women and children in various various uh, things going on in their lives uh and that was it that was you know that's where they were they were cut out i know i um, think the irony is that it's almost looks almost like a zoom call <laughs> the, <laughs> yes the, the way the I, squares are set up and you know quadrants like this we see the characters it just sort of mimics what a lot of us are doing today in terms of communication and it's i think it's, it's a great um i mean editors had to love this because it made it so simple to just drop in, you know, a still frame there and let let that do it, and then you don't have to go, you don't have to go inside, you don't have to create all that movement. It's just almost clinical the way it's. I mean, I can't remember a movie before this using this convention of yep. using still shots to tell the story like this. Well, th- this was coming out in in 1970. You had a, a, a bunch of movies that were doing this uh, kind of a Brady Bunch effect, and, and even even the Brady Bunch, would, which had come out within within two years, uh, but. Uh, movie the big movie that started this uh, multi-screen Brady Bunch look was uh, Woodstock and uh, yeah that's true you know I didn't think about that I was thinking of that because it's a documentary but they did manage to cover a lot of ground by doing that they had such a vast you know thing to encompass a vast event to encompass that 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 allowed them obviously a lot of visual shortcuts and this does the same thing and well, you know uh, the the main uh, the original editor on this was Stuart Gilmore. This was actually Stuart Gilmore's final uh, editing. He later uh, turned it over to John Holmes. 
uh, but Stuart Gilmore had pioneered this in a major feature film, which which I covered previously called Airport. And he did a lot of split screens in that where people were talking on the phone and they'd have push offs and things of as somebody was hanging up, up the phone, uh, their square would disappear to the right. And much like you're saying, like a, like a Zoom call, you, your square would disappear. So he he carried that over from the previous years uh, or actually six months before this uh uh, airport movie and said I like the way this looks so he got out his optical printer and moved those different scenes around and, and arranged it I would imagine this would be very easy to storyboard for saying to you know sitting down to Robert Rising like why don't we have a picture over on the left and you film that part and then we can just drop in some stills makes and, me uh, wonder how like the agents negotiated that for the actors like it's screen time but it's a, but, but it's an image you know what I mean yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, could, you know, this is a little bit before, well, there was stock footage, so maybe they could just, I don't well, know. I don't many... know, I mean, and again, it's such an interesting cast of characters. We see, we see the old, the young, the beautiful, I mean, there's kind of a bit of scandalous shot in here as they go window to window, this kind of rear window vibe of looking in on somebody, and, you know, again, we're, what I think what's interesting is that we're reacting to the victim's pictures, and we're not seeing the reactions of these two guys, it's sort of on us as an audience to react to the horror of it. Yeah, it's very much, uh, I mean, we're not getting an omniscient view. We're seeing, we're getting the omniscient view of, oh, these guys are looking through the different windows, but it's it's up to us on the right-hand side of the screen to to look at all these people and say, oh, that one's dead and that one's dead and how did, you know, there she's dead. And it's, um, you know, I, I think they were hoping to find survivors, but all they were seeing were, people uh going through their daily lives uh and unfortunately that was the last thing they did so, right and it's, um, there's almost a journalistic coldness to this you know what i mean, I mean you see the little girl with the raggedy Ann doll i mean it's yeah. just very chilling in how bloodless all of it is and they're just going window to window boom 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 and we're just seeing these images with no you know real idea what's happened and you know of course we all we all relate to these images these are they look like real people and yeah. I would think, too, they must have saved, like, a lot of production money. This is a very efficient way of telling a story, if you think about it. You know, they don't have to go in any place. They're just literally doing this tracking shot of these guys and then cutting in still images that they shot. So Yeah, that, that they, could have, they could have done in an afternoon or, you know, just hired people. Think of yeah. what it would have taken to go into each space light it tell that story and get out i think this is more effective it gets us way more horror you know shrunken into just one minute we're seeing you know the victims sit up there long enough for us to like develop a you know split second relationship and then boom it's another one then boom it's another one and it's it's interesting yeah and and obviously the editor knows that we already know this language of telling the story the split screen so uh they can rely on the audience to say oh that's what they're seeing as they're looking through uh i yeah, and it's 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 bringing about how sudden the deaths were, and also the ignominy of death. That you know, there's a fellow that's dead next to a, a dog food bowl, and or you know, a woman that fell down next to the butter dish in the refrigerator. And it's like it's very. These people didn't die with any kind of dignity. It just they were they were you know cut down. They were, they were just mowed well, down. Well, you know, you mentioned Woodstock a minute ago. What's interesting is to me at fifty-seven, right, you know, nearing the end of the minute, you've got this beautiful girl who looks like she may have died in bed, but she's wearing a peace pendant around her neck, yeah. which kind of connects you to the Woodstock generation. She's also we you know she's topless. We see that and. To your point um, a couple of days ago about the movie having a G rating, 
I think this is really interesting that you can show a topless woman and, you know, it's not like a National Geographic documentary. Yeah. And still get a G rating, even if it's just for a couple of seconds. You would have thought, now what would it have been back then? It was before PG-13, obviously. Yeah, but they, but they, would, have had, they would have had M for mature. And so they would have, they could have named it as, as mature. My guess, and I've, I've been trying to find this out. I mean, I don't, I don't know anybody that, that you know, not the Jack Valenti papers or anything, but uh, Robert Wise might've called in a couple of favors just to have this go to G. Right. To keep uh, it for the general public and make sure that other people could see it. But I mean, really, again, I was 10, you were 11 seeing this. What other film could we have seen back then that would have shown, you know? Uh, yeah. Like, like you, like you said, like you said, unless it was a National Geographic special, and that would have been, you know, it's. But I, I mean, I wonder if did they get away with because she was supposedly dead? It's um, maybe, but but it's a really, you know, again, the fact that she's got a piece pendant on. They they wanted to represent. It's almost like demographically, we're getting the old people, we're getting the kids, and she's almost like the youth market, you know, the teenager of the times, as it were. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I can remember at, at the same time that they were filming this, nineteen seventy seventy one. Um, Billy Jack would have been about the same time. And I remember there were a lot of nude scenes in Billy Jack. That that was, you know, it's funny when I try to think back of where did I see, you know, nude scenes or topless scenes in movies, I usually, my head goes back to Billy Jack. But but I don't, I, I, I this kind of registered on me when, you know, when I was, when I was younger. Oh, gee, she's not wearing any clothes. Uh, well, and they, and they end on her too, which allows them to linger longer and then it yeah. widens out. So it's funny that she's the one, she's the payoff. And again, that's a conscious editorial um, decision to do that, to end with her and make that kind of the hero shot in that in that moment, which, you know, again, for G rating, it's uh, if you did phone a favor in, and I think you might be right about that. I mean, it seems to make sense at least. He, they really got away with one there. Yeah, yeah, that that is. Uh, un, I, I, I'm I'm trying to think of any other films back back at that time that had a G rating on it. Like, I, I mean, you have to go back to like Fantasia. <laughs> so, uh, is, is anything for for a, a topless woman on a on a screen? But that you know, those would be like centaurs and things. It's um, yeah, it's it's very unusual. Again, it's kind of showing 1970. You've got. You've got this. You've got um, you've got the Woodstock movie. You've got um, Easy Rider, and I think Robert Wise is trying to tap into that. Is like this is what we can get away with now. This is what we can do now. We can have you know, we can have people. Uh, we can have topless people. We can show really graphic gore, and still it come you know coming back as a G rating. This is um, yeah. It's it, it's so. Uh, I guess you know you've got one shot coming, you've got another shot. It's like, gee, this isn't like another. You know, this isn't like an, this sure isn't like the Sound of Music. So no, uh, but they do they do capture a real cross section of the country at that point to a degree. I mean, there's I mean she could be she, she has an ethnicity to her as well that's yeah. a little different than everybody else as well. So it seems like they're using her to to you know check off a few boxes here you know what i mean it's a bit scatological but it's also it's young it's pretty um it could be ethnic uh so so again it makes a lot of sense and again the, the way they cast those photos i think they're very careful about speaking to a lot of different demographics who may be sitting in the movie theater yeah yeah and the the music that's coming through this at the time uh Humeli, uh is playing this you're you're getting that theme, which is just that the very atonal note uh, of uh, of a synthesizer. But then you're getting uh, you're getting like a Fender Rhodes, and you're getting all this wah wah 
going on. So it's trying to sound. It, it sounds like a seventies movie. It sounds yeah, like, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. It's, it does have the clinical scientific thing going on, but it's definitely tapping into elements like the Wawa, especially that had become you know very getting very popular at that point anyhow with but again it's kind of you've got the sort of free love and there's that you know the things that laughing used to do in terms of pushing the boundary i mean this was this stuff was going on in terms of you know crossing the line a little bit when you could get away with something and uh and this is that moment in the andromeda stream yeah and yeah i keep thinking robert wise is going to be throwing a bunch of stuff at us later with uh you know with monkeys and uh and blood and, and all kinds of terror terrifying things this was just in the mix it not you know, it's maybe the whoever was you know the the blue noses that were sitting in the audience saying it's going to be an m rating or something they might not have noticed it over the other things that were going on i'm going to um, go look and see i'm curious how these people are credited they must receive credits at the end have you ever looked at that to see who they are all yeah it they're they're randomly they're randomly given they're like none of the people in the stills are given anything so it's uh which it's is mostly... interesting because they really i think they play an important part here they're the evidence of what's going on and there's obviously been real thought given to who these people are who we're going to see so it's strange they wouldn't have their name in there yeah it's they're not like specific um like there's, there's things that say woman or, or or civilian but it they're not really credited as to this person that's in the you know that's seen in piedmont so it's, it's kind of difficult to track down who they are um and uh, most, I don't know if you've, if you've experienced this, but a lot of IMDb, some of the self-reporting is a little sketchy. So I, I, I don't always trust things that are, uh, that are in there. There's a, you know, there's a sign that says, uh, Sheila Jo Guthrie was a girl in Piedmont. I don't know which girl that could be. Uh-huh. Uh, interesting, interesting. So it could be, yeah, I mean, it could be that Robert Wise sat down with the casting director and went through a bunch of uh, headshots and said, here, get this person, this person, and this person, and go take a picture of them. Uh, in a you know in an apartment on their on the floor um but it's yeah it would be fascinating to find out and kind of difficult after 50 years to uh to track it down i know the uh uh the academy of motion picture arts and sciences has a great uh, uh catalog of uh different different movies especially from universal so there might be something i'm just i'm nowhere near beverly hills so i can't, I can't go in in person and, and look at it Ho hopefully someday they'll they'll be able to digitize a lot of their records um but uh, yes, uh, just a, a very fascinating minute, and it feel it very uh, very much in the feel of the seventies. I mean, we're, it just almost feels like you're going through a. Uh, uh, I keep going back to like the World's Fair. That you, it feels like a World's Fair display, that multimedia idea that you're looking at several screens at once, and you're you're on a ride watching, you know, watching these guys go through the town. No, exactly. There is something very calculated about it, and um, very careful, obviously, and they want you to be able to process. A lot of you know a bunch of things at once and i think it's very effective like that i mean think of what we learn about this town in this one minute not even one minute it's 30 second sequence yeah yeah and i i can't you know it, it, there's more people like we're just seeing they're just doing a cursor very cursory look they're, they might go into one or two doors but they're just looking you know peeping in windows and seeing who they're seeing there's probably a lot more dead people that we haven't even uh come across their paths so. oh it's definitely tip of the iceberg stuff at this point yeah yeah just uh a very nice it's not quite terror it's just more like horror and uh, a sense of revulsion and and also it's a tragedy i mean you see that that girl at the very end of this scene she's obviously very young and you think you know she's a just this beautiful young girl who all, all she wanted is peace she's wearing the peace sign and things 
and here she is cut down like like all the others and she's not going to experience the life that you know, no, none of them are going to experience life it's all robbed from them no th- exactly the random the randomness of the of how chilling this is is illustrated beautifully here yeah i think i mean we t- tying this up uh with what we're going through currently the the randomness of of things happening during our own plague is uh, especially challenging just you know watch, watching this and and thinking about people who just you know they're gone um and there's nothing you can really do to resolve it at the moment. It's a movie for our times, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Wow. Well, uh, Chris, thank you so much for being on the show this week. It's, it's always a pleasure having you on, and I love talking really good, meaty movies like uh, uh, like Andromeda Strain. And it's, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. This is always fun with you. You know your stuff. It's always fun to connect like this, and uh, feel free anytime. I'll do do this whenever you like. Will do. Uh, tell us some more about your Reels uh, uh, project that's on right now. Well, it's called It Happened Here, and it's um, it's based on these books that I did, like James Dean Died Here and, and all that sort of thing, about locating kind of a ge- geographic pop culture history. Going in, like It's like in this scene, going and finding that town in Texas where they shot this. I've always had a thing about going and stepping into a place where something happened, but maybe there's no sign or or plaque or anything like that and sort of reverse engineering the stories so in the series we take people's lives like John Lennon and Marvin Gaye Janis Joplin and literally tell their their story by retracing their exact footsteps wow I, it must it must have been fun to make that I mean planning it out and uh, and going and shooting in the spots no it's great fun it's great fun and you, you feel like you're uh, bringing that you, you feel like they're with you when you're doing it which is kind of cool you're just sort of breathing life into their legacy and they sort of appear with you as you're doing this that is so neat, and it, it, it's such a perfect excuse for you to go to these places. It's like, let's go do well, I'm gonna do, I'm going to go anyway, just for fun. Yeah. So this at least validates you know, a lot of that, that uh, process and travel. Uh, well, thanks for taking us along with you. Um, and now I, I know that uh, you're available on Amazon for all the many books that you've written, but uh, the be- best place to find out about some of your works would be at, at your own website, right? Yeah, chrisepting.com has got lots of stuff there, photos and stories and you know, all kinds of things related to what I do. And as he mentioned, Amazon is a great uh, place to find all the books. Very cool and well worth your while. So please ch- check out Chris's uh, website. And Amazon is really the fastest way to get it. I mean, I know I, you can... You even can today, click. even right now, they're still pretty fast. Yeah, yeah. And you can you can click on Kindle and it's there in moments. I, can, I promise you from experience, it, Chris's books are well worth reading. <laughs> Wow. Well, uh, thanks for joining us this week. We will uh, we will see you all here next week as we get. Gosh, I think we're going to see some more dead people. So uh, we're going to uh, talk talk some more about that next week. Um, but uh, in the meantime, please uh, maintain your social distance. You know how to do that, six feet apart at least. Wash your hands regularly, and we'll all get through this uh, hopefully very very soon. Uh, but we'll see you here next time on the Andromeda Minute. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Chris. Very flattering. We don't know much more than when we got here.